You're listening to the Right Mindset Podcast with Raquel Henry. This is episode 24. This podcast is sponsored by and associated with my writing studio, Writer's Atelier. I'm an author, editor, writing coach, and part-time professor who believes that mindset work is the cornerstone of writing success. Hi, all. Welcome back to another episode. So if you're listening, thank you. Thank you so much. I like to always start off by thanking anyone who happens to be listening to the podcast. It means so much to have your support and I hope our episodes are helping other writers combat their fears. And, you know, most importantly, I really hope it's helping you to keep going. Kind of the point. (laughs) So I am just bursting at the seams over today's podcast guest, y'all. Honestly, this podcast has allowed me to fangirl out of control. And I have just been talking to so many writers that I admire. As you all know, like when I invite folks onto this podcast, I am pretty intentional about it. And um, I also just like admire these writers so much. I can't tell you all. So just being able to sit down and chat with them, it's not only good for my own mindset, But I hope it's good for yours, of course. But it's just like, it's such a a moment for me because I feel like just honored that they would take the time to to chat with me and to also share their knowledge and experience with our audience. So the writers on that I bring on to the show, I hope you all are following them and, you know, reading their work and discovering um, even books that maybe you might not have picked up before. I'm just honestly so grateful and honored. To, to be able to do this. So thank you all for listening. Um, obviously, I could not, I couldn't do it without an audience either. Like, um, I suppose we could put these out. But um, the point is to have people actually listen to it. And I, I can't thank you enough. So um, I know that was kind of a moment there of me probably talking excessively <laughs> about being grateful and gratitude. But, you know, I'll probably do an episode on gratitude later as well. But um, I just I'm so happy and grateful to have you all. So thank you. Now, before I move into today's interview, a few quick announcements. On September 29th, we're doing another craft talk with myself, Pamela N. Harris, and Marquita Hockaday. Um, It will be on the WA Instagram, and it's at 8 p.m. EST, just in case anybody wants to save the date. Uh, We really have enjoyed doing these craft talks for you all, kind of a way for us to get a little nerdy on craft. And we actually, before this, you know, Pam, Marquita, and myself were critique partners, and um, at one point we had a magazine together, and we would talk craft like this, like um, we meet up we often met up um at least once a year because we live in different states and we just talk craft so it's kind of cool to be able to like basically go back i feel like kind of going back to our roots but it's been kind of cool to just get on get online and have this conversation and and have you all be a part of it so if you want to check that out again it's on september 29th and it'll be at 8 p.m est we'll have some info on it soon online Also, there's a contest closing at Voyage YA. As you all know, I'm the editor-in-chief over there. So that contest closes on Sunday the 19th at 11.59 p.m. PST, so Pacific Standard Time. And hopefully you all will catch this in time. I'm actually not sure if the recording will be up, the, the podcast will be up by then. But if you do miss the deadline for this contest, there will be another one um, opening soon. 
And they also always have submissions open for free. That's always an option. But those are really more short story based submissions than novel based submissions. So something to keep in mind if you write YA. All right. So I am slowly plugging along on my holiday novelette and trying to keep my mindset right. And, you know, maybe I'll maybe I'll talk more a little bit about that on another episode because I've definitely had some, you know, little mindset blocks and and stuff along the way. But for now, you know, I want to move into our interview because I am just like so excited. Um, We are featuring one of my writing idols today. And um, last year I had the honor of being on the same panel with Nancy Nagel. And um, side note here, many, many thanks to Sarah at Orange County Public Library for inviting me to that panel. But after that panel, Nancy and I bonded over the fact that we absolutely love Hallmark and um, Hallmark movies, especially the Christmas ones. Um, And we also really love sweet romance. And I am just really happy to be able to call her a friend now. So Nancy, she's a romance writer, and she is like, honestly living my entire writing dream (laughs) at the moment. Quite a few books of hers have been turned into Hallmark movies. And she's written for Hallmark uh, Publishing as well. And uh, you bet your bottom dollar. I asked her about all this in our interview. And I can't wait for y'all to hear it. So here's Nancy's formal bio. USA Today bestselling author Nancy Nagel whips up small town love stories with a dash of suspense and a whole lot of heart. She began her contemporary romance series, Adams Grove, while juggling a successful career as an SVP for Bank of America and life on 70 and life on a 76 acre goat farm. <laughs> now enjoying an early retirement from the financial industry, she devotes her time to writing, antiquing, cooking, trail riding on her Palomino, and the occasional spa day with friends. A native of Virginia Beach, she now calls North Carolina home. Best known for her small town story set in Adams Grove, Sweet Tea, and Secrets leads off this small town series. Stay tuned for news about the release of Porch Swings and Promises. Nancy writes romance and women's fiction for Montlake Romance and St. Martin's Press and enjoys the diversity of adding mysteries to her list of accomplishments through Crossroads Publishing House. She's also working on several projects with Hallmark. Watch for Nancy's novels, Christmas Joy, Christmas in Evergreen, and Christmas in Evergreen Letters to Santa on Hallmark Channel, and Hope at Christmas on Hallmark Movies and Mysteries. New in 2020, The Secret Ingredient made its Hallmark Channel debut, and stay tuned for news about the movie based on Sand Dollar Cove. And Sand Dollar Cove is actually out, and I watched it. It is pretty awesome. Plus, it stars Chad Michael Murray, so... um, you, you all will definitely want to check that out. Anyway, let's get into my interview with Nancy now before I burst. Hi, Nancy. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. I'm excited to have you. As you know, I am a huge fan of yours, and I just can't wait to get into our conversation today. Um, but before we do that, why don't you tell our listeners who you are? Um, what you write. Who is Nancy Nagel? Well, um, this is Nancy Nagel, and I am living back in Virginia, my home state, you know, the 
2014, I moved to North Carolina and I have been there until just uh, March of this year. And so I met back in Patrick Springs, Virginia. My house backs up to No Business Mountain. It's just gorgeous. And uh, I've got all kinds of new inspiration for my writing. And uh, I write small town love stories. Um, I think most people know me more for the Christmas books lately, uh, <laughs> but uh, all of them, no matter what season they're set in, are heartwarming, small town, and and I try to leave all my readers with lots of hope. I love that. It's just, <laughs> it's perfect. It's hallmarky, which, you know, I'm a hallmarky, um, and I, I love it. I love it. Um, do you find, so you said that your home it overlooks the mountains. Yes. Yeah. I'm right at the at the base of no business mountain, which is not a huge mountain, but it, it's right there in my backyard. It's gorgeous. And I'm just a, you know, hop, skip and a jump away from the Blue Ridge mountains. And uh, it's just beautiful country up here. And this little county that I live in even has like a barn quilt trail. So you can, you know, follow the barn quilts and, you know, see all the beautiful mountains all at the same time. <laughs> I just love it. <laughs> Do you find being out there in the mountains helps with writing? Do you think it helps at all with the process? Oh, oh gosh, it has. And you know, I it's, it's so funny. I, I go out and I sit on my back porch. I start every morning now sitting on my back porch and just looking out at nature and just kind of level setting. And I'm just so thankful to be surrounded by the beautiful nature and the birds. And of course we have our four horses right out here. And, um, it just is, I don't know. It's so peaceful. You know, I really found like I have found a new level of peace living here. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and I lived, I've lived in the country before, you know, I lived on a, a farm in Druryville, Virginia. Uh, we had an 80 acre goat farm, uh, back when I was married to, to Mr. Mike before I lost him in 2014. So I'm used to, to this kind of surrounding, but uh, it's, this is just a really kind of heaven sent peaceful place we're in. Now you said you have horses. We have four horses. Oh, wow. Yeah. You yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Not as much as I used to. I um, ruptured my Achilles tendon a few years back. And so it, it hasn't been the same since. And so it's a little harder for me to ride, especially um, my husband likes to go on these long, like eight hour horseback rides. <laughs> so it's a little harder on me to do that now, but, but I still have my Palomino out in the field here and she's beautiful. And I love being able to, to spend time with her. And then Andrew has a, a big gray um, horse and then a black horse. And then we have a, a bay that his son rides named Doc. <laughs> wow that's so cool I I'm gonna be presumptuous and just say I'm coming to visit you so okay you can <laughs> yeah. I'm, I want to write um I I took a Hallmark class like a class on basically how to write Hallmark scripts yeah and yes I was lucky enough to have um, my um the script that I wrote for that class optioned Oh, that's awesome. I hadn't heard. That's so exciting. What's yeah. it called? Or can you say? <laughs> oh, yeah, it's up on the, um, so it's with a, a production company called Rom-Com Pictures, and it's up on their site and everything. It's called Christmas Magic in Hollyoaks. Oh, I love that title. That's Thank wonderful. You. Thank you. That's so great. <laughs> well, you know how these things go. Who knows if it'll actually get made, but 
Um, believe, just believe. I think it's 90% of the equation. Just believe. <laughs> okay. So I want to talk to you about that in a second. Okay. I'm going to come okay. back to that. Um, but yeah, I want to work on a, um, the next one I want to work on is like a ranch kind of story where she owns, my character owns a, a horse ranch. So. Yes. Very yeah. cool. I was like, I need to figure out, I need to get on a horse. Like, <laughs> Yes, you do. Because it's very different. I, I didn't ride my first horse until I was 50. So wow. yeah, I mean, yeah. And I was like, Oh, my gosh, I'm too old to do that. And, and Andrew was like, No, I'll, I'll, I've got a babysitter horse. He'll take good care of you. Come on. And he took me on my first horseback ride. And it was my birthday weekend. And it was kind of our first date and we didn't even know it was a date. It was just a friend thing, uh, but it was amazing. It was just so much fun and so freeing. And, and it's a different view between the ears of those horses. <laughs> yes. Yes. It sounds awesome. It sounds like fun. So, and well, then I'll I, get you on horseback. <laughs> yes. I would love that. And I have to introduce you to, to a friend of mine. She's a writer too. Her name's Kristen Durfee and she loves, I mean, I think she, she visits um, one of the horse ranches out here in Florida and she rides like at least once. I, I mean, I see her pictures all the time, but I'm pretty sure she rides at least once a month. Oh, that's um, neat. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, okay. Well, so that's fantastic. I, I, I love that idea of sort of getting away from like the hustle and bustle. And it seems like it would be good, good for writing. Yeah. Well, you know, and when I, before I, you know, was writing and because I didn't write until I, I turned 40 and I didn't write full time until 2014. Um, but before then, when I was working, I used to use my vacations and I have a timeshare. And so I would like switch out my timeshare and go to different places and spend that week just plotting and drafting out a story. And that's how I spent, would spend my vacations and, and being in a different space and a different place that you didn't know by heart you know was really inspiring for me it, it it created some good innovation I think yeah I love that so how did you get started writing how did you get into it well when uh I, I was a senior vice president with Bank of America and I had been with them for for years I was in technology and when I turned 40 my task was to offshore um, a big portion of our technology positions mm-hmm. and I felt horrible about it. I did a great job, <laughs> but, and I understood the business reasons. It was, there was, it was good plan. Um, but it, it did internally just really hurt me. And it really made me think about what I could do to make a difference. Um, because that wasn't the mark that I wanted to be known for, you know? Yeah. And, uh, so I started thinking about, you know, what things had made big impacts in my life and books. I kept coming back to books, you know, no matter if it was, health or relationship or work related when I was burdened I turned to books and um, so I thought you know if I could write one book to help one girl through one bad day that would be a a, that would be a gift that would be a thing you know and so that's all I set out to do was to write that one book to you know to make up for (laughs) for that terrible terrible task and um and it took me a long time to write it. I didn't know what I was doing. You know, I hadn't written any other books. I hadn't thought about being a writer. It had never crossed my mind. And um, it took nine years to get it published. Um, but then once I had it published, you know, first got that first offer, things just rolled. 
Um, mm-hmm. And then when I, when I lost my husband is when I made the decision that I wanted to, you know, I, I felt, I felt, um, you know, it was so unexpected that, that I felt very much like I needed to make a difference now that time was precious. And so I decided to take an early retirement right full time. And I just, um, that's all I did. No backup plan, just was going to do it. And it's worked out fine. Thank goodness. Yes, it has. <laughs> but yeah, you know, I don't know that it was the smartest plan, um, but that, you know, I, I moved to North Carolina and moved my mom in and, you know, just started writing full time. And I've put out two to three books every year since, and things are going good. Things, things are going real good. I love that story so much. So um, when you published your first book, um, well, let's talk first. Did you get an agent first? No. Um, no. I did not have any, I didn't have an agent until I had I had 14 books out. And the only wow. reason that I got an agent then, well, you know, I was a businesswoman mm-hmm. and I just couldn't understand why I needed an agent if I could do the things on my own. And I was with Montlake <laughs> Romance first. You know, I had a three book deal with them and I did three, three book deals with them. So, you know, that was all going fine. And I hadn't, I had a literary attorney look over the contracts for me so I mean I did all the, the smart things I do I didn't know everything um right. so that went fine and then um I had indie published uh, the granny series with Kelsey Browning and so of course we handled that and I was at RT uh, back when the romantic times convention was a big thing I was there one year and the folks over at random house were talking to me about potentially doing a women's fiction series for them um and we talked and they had wonderful plan outlined and they said well you'll who's your agent and I said well I don't have one and she said well you'll have to have an agent and so I went over and looked to see who they had talking to people and said I can I talk to this person and this person and uh, I came out of that conference with Kevin Lyons as my uh my agent and she was amazing we never did go back to Random House um, it was a, an interesting twist of fate mm-hmm. that uh, she got me the St. Martin's Press Christmas uh, deal. And so I wrote Christmas Joy for them. And of course, that's what opened the doors to Hallmark. And so I, I am trusting that everything that was supposed to happen happened with her. Um, but yeah, I never would have even looked for an agent, I don't think, if that hadn't been pressed upon me. Wow, that is yeah. so cool. Yeah. So, um, just to back up a little bit when you had those first books out and you didn't have an agent what was that process like did you have did had you put your book anywhere else or did you just go to them first and try to get them well so it was an interesting little start it was kind of like a hiccup start I don't often talk about this but it's writer girls. So I'll, I'll give you the whole story. Um, so I had been, you know, I'd written that story. I really felt strongly about it. I had won some contests and it was sweet tea and secrets. And um, I had taken it everywhere. I had a drawer full of rejects and I was just still looking. And I ran across this small press that just sounded perfect. And I, I can't even remember the tagline for that small press and, and they're no longer in business and I won't mention their name anyway. Um, but it, you know, even the logo had like a woman with a hat and the blue <laughs> sky of her head and everything. And it just looked so relaxing and perfect. And so I had pitched to them and they picked up the book and I was so excited. I mean, I was just thrilled. And so we'd gone through edits and I 
we, I went to book, um, book expo, book expo America, um, in New York city. And I had gone a couple times before, but that year I was super excited. I was armed with little organza bags with sweet tea candy and my business card and a picture of the book cover. And I was giving them out to all the librarians and booksellers and just, just so excited that my book was going to come out that following July. And so while I was there, Montlake Romance was set up. It, they were just starting that line. And so I was talking to the editor and learning, you know, what their business plan was and wasn't looking for a deal because I had a deal, you know. Yeah. And so we had talked. And of course, my, you know, I lived on a goat farm back then. And so uh, that had come up and we just we really hit it off. And so before the end of Book Expo, because it runs, it runs, it used to run over three days. Um, I had gone back and given them a little, you know, bag of candy and stuff and thank them for chatting with me and let them know how much fun it had been. And that was it. I wasn't trying to, you know, build any networking or anything. It was just generally just trying to be nice. And uh, so July comes, my book comes out and it just went nowhere. And I quickly realized that the small press that I had it with just I think they were just overwhelmed or didn't didn't know how to get it places and we had right. some snags and I ended up like making some phone calls to get it moved at least so you could see it on Amazon things like that and it just got kind of ugly so I ended up calling her and because she had um a contracted me for my second book too and I ended up calling her and saying you know this is not going well for me I am fine with you continuing Sweet Tea and Secrets because we have a contract for that, but I want the rights back to out, um, out of Focus, my second one. And she got really ugly with me. And I said, mm -hmm. well, you know, I don't think you fulfilled the first contract, so I can probably get out of both of them. She goes, well, if you don't want to do your second one with me, you can have this first one back. And I was like, okay. So I took it back, <laughs> threw it out by myself, like the following week contacted the folks at Mount Lake that I had met and said, mm -hmm. Hey, you know, that sweet deal I thought I had wasn't all I thought it was. And if you're still interested, I'd love to do something with you. And they gave me that three book contract and we were off and running. So, yeah, I mean, it was definitely some hiccups, um, but you know, it, it all worked out just fine. Yeah. Um, at the time it was a little devastating and I was a little scared. And, you know, I think, I think too, you know, I mean, I was just so excited to sell a book. And everybody is right that you'll sell it to anybody. Yeah, you know you you have to be careful, and especially you know. And of course, it's different now. You know where, gosh, everybody can publish. You know, back then it wasn't like there were tons of indie authors out. It was, it was before that big bubble hit, and because uh, that was back in 20, 2010 when I sold that book. Um, so yeah, I, I, you know, definitely do your research. It's kind of like the, it goes along with the same thing where people are like, well, it's better to have no agent than a bad agent. Well, it's the same thing with publishers. You know, you need yeah. to know that they're going to be able to do the things that are going to meet your goals. And our, everybody's goals aren't the same. You know, some people's exactly. goals are just to get the book done. And then, you know, some people want their book on a shelf, you know, and some people, you know, don't want to do it unless it's going to be an audio some people are doing it for the money. Some people are doing it for the, you know, it's just sure. some people want them in libraries. I mean, it just everybody's plan is different and it's okay. You some know, people just, want them on Hallmark. <laughs> yeah, some people want them on Hallmark. 
so, you know, yeah, I mean, you definitely need to know what your goals are. And, I, and speaking of having, wanting your stuff on Hallmark, I will share with you that when I told Kevin, you know, when we I first came on board with Kevin Lyon, who is an amazing agent, um, and I have l- lately, uh, the, the past year I've been with somebody else now, but not because she wasn't doing her job. She's amazing. Um, but I had said to her, um, she was like, well, you know, where you want to be, what things you want to accomplish. And we talked about that. And I said, and I really love to see one of my books on Hallmark, you know, cause I've always been a Hallmark fan. I mean, I love Hallmark. Me I mean, too. I even love their commercials, you know? And, um, she said, yeah, you and everybody else, you know, so <laughs> Well, I'm so yeah, you still need to vocalize them. You still, even if they, what they, what the response is, isn't super hopeful. I mean, you still have to believe in it. You still need to put those goals out there. That's what I wanted to actually ask you. That's one of my questions because I heard you on one of those Hallmark podcasts recently. And you mentioned that about, you know, initially, you know, you'd mentioned it to your agent about being on (laughs) Hallmark and, you know, having your book turned into a Hallmark movie and the, you know, the response was kind of lukewarm, you know, it was. And then know? even when I, when they got optioned, it was like, don't get excited. And you know, tons of them get optioned. Hardly ever, any of them ever make it to production. I mean, she was very voice of the reason, which was probably good because I was just like, it'll be a movie. Um, but you know, I think there's, you know, a certain percentage of that in, you know, thinking positive and, and doing things for the right reasons and, yeah. and things like that, that, you know, go into the, the formula. <laughs> so what, what's your advice though, for that? Like even having that kind, like that way of thought process, like that thought process when people are telling you things and sort of pushing back, because I, I think that that is pretty common in the writing community. And sometimes I think people do it and aren't even conscious of the fact that they're doing it you know like putting up this sort of barrier or this no before you even kind of give it a shot or give yourself a shot and I've seen writers do it to each other even you know like I have a hard time there's like a handful of people I talk to about my true real big writing dreams because I I don't want to receive you know like that that negative talk because I think it's such a common thing in the writing community so and I think you know I think too that you know with you know Amazon you know bringing all the KDP stuff and and indie being so popular you know writers have a whole lot more knowledge than they've ever had but I think that I think people seem to think that they have all the answers and the truth is you know I think, you know, God gave us all our own voices to bring to the table for a reason. You know, we're all writing and doing things that are for our path and may not necessarily be your neighbor's path. And that's okay. Um, But people are very quick to judge. You're absolutely right. And, you know, I caution people, even in, I think, critique groups are the same way, you know, that they can critique, critique, critique the voice, your voice, your special piece your special sauce right out of the story if you let them. So, I mean, I think it's really important to to do what feels genuine and, you know, true to you. It's so easy for people to to wield advice. And, mm-hmm. you know, when you think of, and you, you have to really take it in, you know, take in the advice that people are giving you, but then you need to filter it. You need to filter it through your own moral compass. You need to 
filter it through your gut. You need to filter it through your goals because nobody can make the decisions but you. I mean, we all want to succeed and getting information that, you know, from someone, especially, you know, someone that might've done something you've done, you know, can be really exciting. And you're thinking, oh, I'll get, I'll get that step forward. But if it's not true and genuine to what you want to do, it's not going to come across right anyway. Yeah. People can, people can tell, you know, if, if your writing isn't authentic, they know, they absolutely know. I love that. I love that so much. So that kind of leads into the next question about like, how do you handle um, criticism then? And um, like when even maybe I don't even I I mean, I don't I don't really read reviews because to me, I read a book because it sounds interesting. I don't care what the review (laughs) says. I don't really read the reviews. And I so I would have no clue if you've ever received a bad review. But um, how would you if you haven't handled that like how how do you push past like you know you're a good writer of course you obviously had the book come out (laughs) you know and then but there's always you know typically there's always like a handful of people one or two that have to leave you know something that's kind of negative like and for some reason us writers tend to focus on the one (laughs) I know. Well, you know, it's funny. And I, I do read all my reviews, read every single really? one of them. Yep. And, and even the bad ones. And it's, I guess my favorite bad one, though, was <laughs> one that said something like, um, well, if you like that Hallmark stuff, I guess you'll like this book. But it was not my cup of tea. One star. And I was like, I put it as my Facebook banner. You know, I was like, cool. Um, and, but, you know, but I always, always tell everybody, I think of it as like, it's the kitty litter process. You know, you look at all the good reviews and then when the bad one pops up, you know that a good one is going to come and kick over it <laughs> and nobody will see that one for a while. Um, I so I don't that. worry. I don't worry about the bad reviews. And I like you, I don't read reviews like when I'm picking out a book. I don't. Yeah. Um, but I definitely read every one of my reviews. And sometimes there's good feedback in them because yes. I mean, I sure. know, like I, I can definitely, I can spend three pages, you know, walking through the field and looking at flowers <laughs> and, you know, sometimes the story will start slow because I've got too many things I'm trying to introduce and, or I have tried something new and it just didn't land as well as I wanted it to. And so sometimes there's nuggets in there that help us become better authors or better writers. Sure. And I hope every book I write is better than the last one. Um, so I do read every single review. Um, they don't hurt my feelings. Um, and, you know, sometimes I might feel snarky about them or call my mom and tell her, <laughs> you won't believe this person said. Um, but, you know, I think it rolls back too to, I believe that, you know, I've got something to share for certain people. What mm-hmm. I say is not going to be one size fits all. I know that. And that's okay. You know, and my readers tend to be a little bit older or mature, you know, married, that yeah. kind of stuff. You know, they're not teenagers. Um, they're not, you know, kids in their 20s in college usually. Mm-hmm. And um, and I'm fine with that because you know what? I'm not that age anymore either. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I should not know what they're up to. And I probably don't want to know what they're up to. Um, yeah. I don't want to know what I was up to when I was in the 20s. Um so, you know, I, I think, you know, I trust that. And my, my life has changed a lot, Raquel, since my husband passed. Mm-hmm. You know, my life has, I mean, my faith has become so much stronger. And I really believe that, you know, these books that, you know, I'm writing are for a reason. And that 
this crazy shift in my career and my life and all that stuff was for a reason. And so I really trust that. I trust it. That's so lovely. I, I love that. And I your books have and even the books that have been turned into movies, because I, I know like for me personally, the reason why I think I'm so obsessed with Hallmark is because it really helped me at, at like a low point in my life. And oh. I, I started watching the channel at that time. And it just reminded me of hope, like the, yeah. the Hallmark movies reminded me of hope. Yes. And yes. I think that you're absolutely right about that. I mean, your stuff is there for a purpose and it is probably changing a lot of lives that you don't even know about so right, right you know and when I do get you know touched by one of those people who send me a note um you know it's it's just so profound you know and some of the sometimes it's so interesting to see what little piece of the story that they clung to you mm -hmm. know because sometimes it felt like it was a real insignificant piece to me when I wrote it but it was what they needed. And uh, so that, that's always kind of interesting what, what somebody else sees as like the most precious thing in a story. Um, yeah. So even with all that, do you ever experience like fear? Do you still experience that at all? Oh like my you're reading imposter yeah. so, syndrome? Oh yeah, because you said something about, oh, when you know you're a good writer, you have all those books and I'm just sitting there kind of chuckling because <laughs> I sweat book release day every time I and, and the funny thing is I mean like we send out arcs you know we have lots of people reading the book before it ever hits release day mm -hmm. so I'm already getting some feedback but a lot of those readers have been reading me all along so right. it's kind of like getting feedback from your mom right like <laughs> there's always a seed of doubt that I'm going to be like oh my gosh this wasn't better than the last book it's not going to be good it's the people aren't going to love it you know so I worry yes um I definitely do, but I don't let it stop me from continuing. You know, in the first few books that I wrote, I remember it was so hard for me to even start writing again until like the last book came out and was real. You know, it was like, I felt like I needed to let them graduate before I could start the next one. And you can't do that if you're going to make a living, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. got to be plotting a book, writing a book, yes. editing a book and, and marketing a book all at the same time. Mm -hmm. So how do you how do you handle that since you since you decided to bring it up here? Because you you mentioned that you release like two to three books a year. How are you able to manage all of that? Yeah, well, it's funny, you know, I always think I'm such a great planner. But even though I have a general idea of when things are going to come back my way, they never do. So, for example, I, I turned in a book in December and I started edits on, I did first round edits in March on that book. And then I just got it back in August and then I just sent it back. But then the other release in 2022 that I've got is called What Remains True. That one I turned in in February and have finished first round edits. Actually, we've, we've finished all the edits except proofs now on that book. So some move fast, some move slow. I had uh, these final proof edits and developmental edits come at the same time, you know, in a different publishing houses. So oh I always gosh. want to be careful not to upset anybody. So, you know, I, rather than, you know, push back on the dates, I usually just push myself harder, which may not be the right thing to do, but I love having, you know, I love being able to write for multiple houses and yeah. I love the differences in my editors. And I think that pushes me 
and keeps me sharp and learning um, rather than just with one person all the time. Um, so yeah, it is, it's hard to juggle, but you know, I keep a lot of timelines. I mark things off on my calendar, try not to plan. You know, I, when I, usually when they send me a, a set of edits back, it's like, we'd love to have it back by this day confirm, you know, and so then I'll look at my calendar and when, you know, I've got school things for my stepson or my husband wants to do something, I'll try to add pad time in uh, so that I can still allow for family time too. And so I do the best I can to juggle everybody, but I'd be lying if I didn't say sometimes I am just a stressed out mess because I feel like I'm trying to juggle knives (laughs) or chainsaws that are running. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think a lot of writers will appreciate hearing that they're not alone on that. No, no. no. And, you know, I had, uh, you know, other than the editing and the writing, you know, the marketing is such a big deal, too. And, you know, I had the terrible luck of getting blocked out of Facebook for 10 weeks this summer. Whoa. Yeah. How did that happen? Oh, my God. I have no idea how it happened. They said that I was... um, I was imposed, uh, uh, I was um, impostering a public figure myself. <laughs> and so like I had to send pictures of myself and driver's license and all oh, kinds God. of stuff. Yeah. And so it took weeks to get that resolved. And it took me getting help from Random House and Crown Media to, to help get it, get mm-hmm. Facebook to, because you can't get to anybody on Facebook. You, you can't? know, no, you can, you just push buttons all day, but you can't get anybody to respond. So, um, so yeah, so finally I'm back on Facebook, but it was hard and it was a critical time too, because it happened, um, the first week of June and my, uh, the shell collector, which is, of course it's the last book that came out. It is the best book I've ever written. I am so proud of that piece of work. I, I hope that I can write another book that good. I just, it is beautiful. And, you know, these shells that have these beautiful scriptures and inscriptions are washing up on the shore and landing in people's paths that need them at just the right time. And um, it is just such a beautiful story. So, um, you know, that one just came out and uh, it had come out May 11th. I got kicked off Facebook June 6th. And then uh, Sand Dollar Cove came out on Hallmark June 26th. And I didn't get my access back until August. So, there was all that time that I would have been marketing those yes. works and getting the word out to people because, you know, Sand Dollar Cove for Hallmark, um, the movie was inspired by Sand Dollar Cove, but all they kept was the name of the hero, the name of the heroine, the name of the grandma and the name of the town. They didn't, everything is different. And it was funny because, um, you know, it's a novella that I had written when Brenda Novak was doing an anthology to raise money for diabetes research years ago. And I was really proud of that story. It was a beautiful piece of water. It came set on the Outer Banks in this great little town that had sand dollars and um, just a great story. And um, it, it's totally different. The, the movie has nothing to do with the book. 
So I'm excited for people to actually. It's a good movie, though. It's a great movie. It's a great movie. It had great stars. Had Michael Murray. I know. And so it still was a great heartwarming story. So it wasn't like, oh, it was a bad movie. But it's a great movie. It's just not the book. So I'm like, people, y'all still need to read the book. Because you're going to love it. If you love the movie, you are going to really love the book. So those are things that I would have been marketing those 10 weeks. Um, that I couldn't when I was off of Facebook I was trying to tweet and Instagram and all that stuff Pinterest but it just it's not the same um, so I've been been playing catch up <laughs> but I will say it gave me a little more time to focus on my writing <laughs> so you know all is not lost <laughs> yeah that's good yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, I want to talk about that fun stuff since you know we're we're on it already. Uh, you know, writing books that get turned into Hallmark movies. How many do you have now? Is it four? Yeah, four from my original works, and then I did the novelization of three. Ever. Of, yeah, the Christmas, Christmas and Evergreens. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's so cool. So can you tell us a little bit about how that even all happened? And like, what was it like? Because of course, I want to hear about that. It's still a dream, Raquel. I swear, I still, I still just get butterflies thinking about it. And I still can't believe I've been so fortunate to to get to live through that experience. But, you know, Christmas Joy um, was the first Christmas book that I had written for St. Martin's Press. I never had a Christmas book on my radar. Um, it was simply my agent calling and saying, hey, my favorite editor at St. Martin's Press is looking for a small town Christmas story. You think you'd like to write one? And I was like, sure. And so I wrote three stories down. They picked the one that I just tucked in at the last minute. And, um, you know, because it was almost like my real life, you know, and, uh, you know, we're living on a farm and stuff like that. Um, and uh, I had written the story and turned it in in May. And that following Christmas, I was doing a Facebook party on uh, the Christmas note because that was coming out and it had a military angle. I was born and raised in Virginia Beach with Norfolk and Oceana. It's a huge military town. So I thought it was a good fit. And so I was, you know, buzzing everywhere about come join me on this Facebook party. We're going to all watch together. And uh, I got a, a Twitter, a tweet back from the Christmas note account. And it said, hey, thanks for building buzz about our movie, The Christmas Note. We're so excited about it. And I shot a note back and said, oh, you're so welcome. I just love Hallmark and blah, blah, blah. And um, didn't think much of it. And then a couple of days later, I got a direct message on Twitter from The Christmas Note. And it, that one said, we didn't realize you're an author. Maybe one day, one of your books will become a Hallmark movie. And I about fell out of my chair you know I was like whoa and uh so I sent back after I like picked myself up off the floor sent back a note that said a girl could dream <laughs> and um, a couple weeks later we got the call my uh, Kevin uh, Lyon got the call that they were requesting the manuscript for Christmas Joy wow and so they we didn't even have it edited yet <laughs> I turned it in May the previous year. So seven months have gone by and this is January and uh, we have not edited. I barely remember the story by that point, right? Because I've already written something else. So we get together and we edit the story, get it back to them within the month because we want to get it there while they're so interested. Mm -hmm. And then we didn't, we didn't really hear anything for a long time. And then uh, the book came out in uh, October 
And from what I understand, um, one of the production managers saw it in Barnes and Noble and it was beautiful cover. It was a kind of a matte, soft matte book, a trade size, red, with red. Mm-hmm. on it. And it was really eye-catching and she picked it up and read it over the holidays and fell in love with it. And so when we got the call that it was going, um, it was going to be made, it was from that, not from the original tweet. So really not sure how the two pieces really work together because she didn't seem to know anything about the tweet um, or that option stuff. So yeah, it was really interesting. I, I, I have no idea, you know, and I asked lots of questions, but I still to this day, don't know how I got my foot in that door. I am so thankful for it. They, uh, you know, called on Valentine's Day and let me know that it was going to be going into production. And I thankfully had a passport and was ready to roll and packed up and went to Vancouver to see Christmas Joy being filmed. And it was absolutely magical. Um, You know, I flew out there and they put me in the same hotel as the stars were staying. And my driver, his name was Rocket, and he was the drummer for some Canadian band that was supposed to have been really popular. He's kind of an older guy with kind of crew cut hair, really, he was kind of funky, you know, <laughs> so that was fun. I guess, you know, like a retired drummer. And um, so he took me out to the set. And when we got there, I was like, this is not the Vancouver I know, because I had been to Vancouver several times for the bank. We had um, technology vendors, you know, in Vancouver proper. And of course he had driven me all the way out to the countryside and it was so beautiful. And there were blueberry farms all around. And he drives me into, and we kind of park over on this side where the the circus stuff is, you know, where all the big trucks are uh, parked and then takes me to drop me off in front of this huge log home and I hate to even call it a home it's like a an estate I mean it was huge it had like wings you know and then there were paths that went to other like a little chalet and a greenhouse and so they actually filmed the kitchen scenes when uh Danielle Pennebaker as Joy is you know, making all the cookies and all that stuff in the kitchen of that great big house. And then the scenes with where all the Christmas trees were during the Christmas cookie crawl and all the cookies being served, that was back in that chalet in the back. So it was really neat to see how they use pieces and parts to make, and they probably shot a hundred movies in that place. I have no idea, but it looked different and unique because they use pieces and parts. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But I remember walking back there and, you know, seeing the dump truck full of snow and, um, (laughs) you know, walking through over this little bridge and we, I, they take me to video village, which sounds really neat. And I'm all like, wow, village and I'm expecting like a trailer or something you know with all this stuff in it and it's just a black tent you know a little tent yeah. tent tent and it's got like a piece of scaffolding or whatever with little monitors on it and some director chairs and so they popped me up in a director chair which is not easy when you're five one and a half and um so I got up in my director's chair and had my little blazer on and they are getting ready to film the scene and I never knew that when it's snowing outside and they're filming inside, that they have to make it snow like a daggone blizzard outside so you can see it, right, from looking out the window. 
So the snow blowers are going in. There is snow just coming all down the side of my jacket. And so it's kind of breezy feeling and chilly. And I'm watching, you know, just totally focused on this little screen. And because you know, at home, we watch these big 60 inch televisions, right? It's just a little screen. And um, they start shooting that scene where Joy is holding that green ornament that had been so special to her from her mom. And it drops and is broken. And I just sat there and boohooed. I mean, just absolutely cried. It was so, it was so strange to hear my words coming back to me, to see those emotions that I had felt and written come alive on the, right there in front of me. I mean, just, I just, yeah. And so um, the producer walks over and she said, are you okay? <laughs> I said, yes. And she said, do you like it? And I said, I love it. These are happy tears. And she said, well, then you can cry all you want. And I said, that's good. Cause I probably will. And I did, yeah. you know, I cried and we were there. I was, so that movie um, had Balsam Hill as one of the sponsors. So mm -hmm. the trees and the garlands were just absolutely breathtaking. And so the gal that was in charge of the Balsam Hill part, uh, or the account or whatever, she was there, Morgan. And so she and I had gone and had dinner together and then they were going to be shooting some of the tree scenes later. So I'd stayed with her and they shot those scenes at like 1130 or 12 at night. And so we stayed late, late while they, they shot those scenes. It was fun. Oh, so I, I, did you have, did you get to go on set for the other movies as well or was Yeah. So went on set for Hope at Christmas as well. And that was also- Hold on. Pause. <laughs> Nancy, did you meet Lan Pavey? Yes. <laughs> I just internally died. Okay. Don't <laughs> die. I've got, a, in fact, I'm looking at me with Ryan on a picture right across the room here where he and I, I was at Rama Drama in Nashville just last month or in July. Um, yeah. No, he is so nice. He's my favorite actor. My favorite you, actor. you, you've got to meet him. He is so wonderful, kind, humble, generous with his time. Um, yeah, meeting him on set, it was so neat. Um, it was so cold when they were filming Hope at Christmas. Not only was it cold, it was rainy. Like if it had been snowing, fine, you know, because it could have been dry. No, it was wet and cold and damp. It was so bad that the guys that the directors, I like they were shivering. And I went and bought wool socks from a sporting goods place and brought them to give them to those guys because I felt so bad for them. <laughs> And I made some great friends with them uh, through all that. And um, I remember one night they were shooting. It was like 10 o'clock um, and we were on this little main street in Steveston village and they were doing these scenes like in front of the bakery and uh, they, they had taken a break and they said they made an announcement to everybody um, that they had brought Ryan Pavey and Scotty Thompson had brought a uh, coffee and hot chocolate truck over to treat everybody. So 
because they were you know so thankful for the movie and uh, it was just so, so generous and, and, I, and to me it was even more generous more so because you know, they've got the canteen those, i mean they've got those crews of people making sure all those people are fed and watered and hydrated sure. and all that stuff all the time and the food is amazing by the way hats off to those guys um that that they would go out of their pocket to do something to just do something to be nice was just really meant a lot to me i thought it was mm -hmm. magnificent and uh it was fun too because you know there was a little girl in that maybe hope at christmas yeah. and um it, ryan would uh do his arnold schwarzenegger uh <laughs> impressions with her <laughs> and was kind of really playful and fun he was like having you know he, he was like the, the big uncle on the set or something <laughs> wow that yeah sounds yeah awesome. oh yeah he could star in any movie i wrote i just think he is such a nice nice guy that yeah he, we need more of him around the world <laughs> yeah for sure i mean he gives off that vibe too when you see i mean you know you know the internet is such a place that could be confusing you know and and people sometimes aren't what they seem but he seemed that's the kind of energy he seems to like yeah and it's, it is genuine yeah because you're right i mean you know what sometimes that especially with actors you know they're yeah. actors they can act anyway um and some of them aren't as uh genuine but no ryan pavey is definitely the the real deal very <laughs> super great guy and i the first time i met um Trevor Donovan was at Rama Drama and he is a super nice guy too. Aww. Yeah. So I, it was fun getting to know more of them. Teddy, I met Teddy Sears for the first time from Christmas and Evergreen um, at Rama Drama this past uh, summer too. And we, we had fun talking about Christmas and Evergreen. <laughs> <laughs> so what was that like? Um, how does that work? You with the Evergreen series, that was through Hallmark Publishing, which is separate from Hallmark the network yeah, um, media so how how did that work with you writing those evergreen yeah so you know i already had uh christmas joy and hope at christmas right. as movies in the pipeline mm -hmm. and they had actually contacted Rayanne thing um who's a friend of mine and who i she was just an amazing author um but they had contacted her to to do these Christmas or to do a book for them and she was just too busy she has under contract for women's fiction and so she mentioned my name and so big huge thanks to her every day always yeah. um, for shifting that in my direction but it you know it was basically a call that said um, hey we'd like to make a novel for one of our new Hallmark original movies and you know it was work for hire it was a flat fee you know are you interested and I kind of had a little bit of time between some books and I was like okay <laughs> and um so i had no idea what it was about i didn't know who was in it didn't know anything about it yeah. when i took it on and they were supposed to get me the um the script um immediately and then the movie would follow um but it i didn't get either one until after the movie came out so by then i had like 45 days to write it and wow. um yeah so i was like oh gosh so it was the you know, tighter timeline than i even expected but i loved that movie so much yeah. that it was a dream to write it i did find it um more stressful personally because you know writing small towns and beautiful small towns i, I think that's my thing you know i mean i love doing that um but doing it when you know everybody's already seen it that was a little yeah. bit of a, a a struggle because you know, I can usually leave just enough empty stuff that you can put your personal experience in it, right? Mm -hmm. And this, I really needed to 
be able to match your perception of what you saw on the movie and everybody's is different. So yeah, I, I really worked hard to make that come across well. And the books have done really well. And I'm very, very proud of them and a little heartbroken that I didn't have time to uh, write the fourth one for them. So they, uh, they, Lacey Baker did that one. Yeah, she's, yeah, she had done, that was like the second one she'd done for them, right? She did um, uh, the gingerbread. Yeah, she the second book for them, but first Christmas Evergreen. Yeah. yeah, so yeah, I was a little sad not to be the continued voice of Evergreen, but, <laughs> Aww, but you know, it got us, that's okay. I know she loved it as much as I did, but she and I are going to do a book signing in oh, November cool. together. Three book signings in oh, cool. uh, Charlotte uh, area. There's three different Hallmark stores, and she and I will be signing books there together. <laughs> so that'll be fun. Yeah, 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 absolutely. <laughs> I'm so excited about the holidays and the um, countdown to Christmas. Hallmark posted the other day that it's six weeks. I know. I'm well, excited. You know, and there's there's so many. Um, yeah, I, I feel like you know our world is still changing too, and I think family friendly entertainment is beginning to get more attention again um you know there's you know up tv and you know netflix is doing christmas movies and lifetime, lifetime and yeah now, you know great american country is doing great american country family and they're doing some christmas movies this year i think jen lily uh is starring in the first one with them and so i feel like there's even more opportunity for beautiful holiday stories and beautiful family stories than ever um, Pure Flix was bought by Sony and I think they've rebranded that. I can never, can never remember what they renamed it to. Um, but that, that is very promising as well. So yeah, I mean, the world needs good stuff. <laughs> yes. And I, you know, for me too, it's like a little bit of an escape, you know, just to yeah. escape until I actually tell, cause, and my whole family knows this too. And I refer to, I, I say it all the time, but I'm like, well, I live in Hallmark land. <laughs> oh, yeah. Don't apologize for that. My girlfriends have teased me for years that I live in man land because I, I am one of those people that just likes to ignore all the bad stuff. And if there's bad stuff going on in the world, I usually turn off the television. I don't take it in because then I, I take ownership of it. I can't do that. Mm -hmm. So I live in man land where everything is happy and hope filled <laughs> and it's a good place to live man oh <laughs> this is such a great conversation and also like it's super inspiring you know especially for for somebody like me because i want to eventually do those things as well um so well, you're I mean, on I the road you've got your option to screenplay <laughs> and i'm just so excited we need to get our heads together i've got two screenplays drafted I don't know if they're any good. I'm still trying to get my feet under me on screenwriting because it's so different, it you know, is. and yeah, I mean, they're totally different animals, but I find it really um, invigorating, you know, to write from that view and then then come back and write a novel. It was exciting. It was like a breath of fresh air. So I really see myself doing more of that, but I, I have not been brave enough to put something out there to get it optioned yet. Oh my gosh, please do. <laughs> Um, we'll, we'll talk a after, after we wrap this, <laughs> after this off, I can, I might be able to help you with that. Um, well, and I think too, you know, what we should mention is we should mention, uh, you know, that you and I met through a writer panel. 
Yes. I think other yes. writers should kind of realize that too, that, you know, when you get asked to do a panel, you know, it's not just uh, you participating and sharing, imparting your knowledge. I mean, it is a great opportunity to make new friends and new connections. And I mean, I just feel very lucky that we got put on that panel together else we may not have crossed paths. I just have two more questions for you. So sure. what do you do to take care of your mind outside of writing? I live my life. You know, I, I still make my family a priority and um, I have a terrific husband. I got remarried um, about a year and a half ago now and have a stepson who is turning nine at the end of October. Uh, so yeah, there's a lot of joy in my life. Um, so spending time with them is a big priority and, um, you know, church on Sunday and getting outside and breathing some fresh air. And uh, that, that's how, that's what keeps me well. If you could give a writer, you know, who is trying to make it um, and in any way, you know, whether they're trying to find the courage to independently publish or, you know, maybe they're going after an agent, maybe it's a publishing contract, whatever it is. Um, what's one piece of advice? If you can only give one piece of advice, what would you give that writer? Um, believe, believe in yourself. Absolutely. And my, my girlfriend, my writer friend, uh, Grace Green, she and I have used and used believe as our word of the year for eight years now, I think, (laughs) but yeah, you, you need to believe in yourself and, you know, it's hard, you know, it's, it's a rough, rough toe it's not none of it's easy I mean even if the contract comes easy the writing is hard it's hard work um but believe you can do it believe you have something to say believe it matters um you know because it does you know think about you know when I think about how many times you know a book gave me the courage to stand up for myself or the courage to interrupt worry by escaping through those pages um you know it's amazing how someone's words on a piece of paper that you've never met can touch and change your life and you know to think that we get to be you know a tiny part of the people's lives so many people's lives that we've never met is really an honor Um, so believe believe you can do it believe it's important believe what you have to say is meant for someone I love that. That's such great advice. Thank you so much, Nancy. Um, where can people find you? Where are you hanging out online? My website, nancy at nancynagel.com. Always keep my events updated. And I, I think I've got every Saturday filled until the last two weeks of December from now oh to the end of the year. Um, so I, I'm going to be out and about. I'll be in New England in a couple weeks. And um, I'm excited about that, too. Um, yeah, so find me on my website, join my newsletter. I don't send them out often. I try to, to not, uh, make your inbox too full. Cause I hate dealing with mine. Um, but you know, I'm also on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, and I do a Pinterest page for every book, which I hope people will check out. Cause it's when I'm writing the book, I'm researching. And I'll throw things on those Pinterest boards and they're fun for me too, because I'll go back and see things that pertain to the story, but weren't necessarily in the story um, that I had been researching. And it's kind of like, uh, it's kind of like the the bloopers or takeouts or whatever, you know, on those movies when they had all the little uh, extended scenes. So yeah, Pinterest is like that for me. So yeah, I hope everybody will at least join my newsletter. Yes, yes. 
Okay, so good thing that you said that because I will link to that also. Thank you. All of that stuff I'll link to okay. in our show notes, especially your newsletter. So awesome. Have the direct link. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for chatting with me. This was like also a little bit of a dream come true because <laughs> I'm a fan. So well, and a friend. And so it's like girlfriend time, and there's never too much of that. <laughs> well, and I'm looking forward to us chatting some more. Yes, yes. Thanks, Nancy. You're very welcome. Wow. So, so inspiring. One of the things I love about Nancy is her positive energy and her relentless commitment to dreams, even when the rest of the world is telling you no. It's one of the many reasons I wanted her to be a guest on this show. Um, And she is proof that every writing dream you have can come true. You just have to believe. So I hope you all believe. I hope you all know that you are capable and the writing dream is actually already yours. Um, Please don't forget to check out Nancy's books and check out her newsletter. I'm going to be um, linking all of that in the show notes. And might I also just add a shameless plug for all the Hallmark movies based on her books? I had to. Thanks, as always, for listening, you all. If you're enjoying The Right Mindset, I encourage you to subscribe and leave us a review. You can also check out Writers Atelier at writersatelier.com or on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or YouTube. If you're interested in joining our membership, you can do so through Patreon. Special thanks to our podcast editor, Allie Grower. Take care and happy writing life.